Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode of the Power Ranking Show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, NFL, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and the easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games that are available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, nice job. I mean, that's pretty good. Thank you. You know, I felt a lot of enthusiasm there. You know, sometimes, you know, you mail it in and then sometimes you come to play, you know, yeah. and I could wow. tell you were doing the best shape of my stretching. life season, right? We're, we're training camp, fine tuning things right now. We're good. That's pretty sweet. Of course, that is the voice of at. Marcus underscore Mosher. This is the Power Rankings Podcast, aka the Power Rankings Show on Believe and Brinks TV. And uh, we have some training camp slash preseason things to discuss today. Uh, there's been some noteworthy things that have come out in the first uh, couple of weeks here of preseason. Of course, I'm including the Hall of Fame when I say a couple weeks of preseason. Uh, we certainly haven't finished uh, this latest batch of games, but we're getting there uh, as we record this on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, that said, uh, Marcus, I know you wanted to talk some Titans, and it's the kind of stuff that we really don't love talking about because you don't want to see this stuff. Yeah, right before we jumped on here, Traylon Burks, their first-round pick from last year in the draft, big part of their offense, went down with a knee injury, looks pretty serious, was carted off the field. Remember, they had to go out and sign DeAndre Hopkins because yeah. the other wide receivers behind Traylon Burks were so bad. This is... If it's anything serious where he happens to miss time, this is going to be a pretty devastating uh, loss for the Titans. Yeah, you know, not only is he uber important to that football team, but you look at the AFC South in general, okay? That division's there for the taking. I mean, Jacksonville won this division with, what, a 9-8 and eight record last year where they kind of had to go on a little mini run at the end of the year. Um, I wouldn't say the Jacksonville ones looked particularly impressive, would you? against no. the Cowboys? No. Uh, well, okay. and remember, Jacksonville yeah, barely snuck into the playoffs last year. They had to beat Josh Dobbs, who was making his first start with the Titans, right? right? And they barely won that game. Right. And then you have the Colts, who are starting a rookie quarterback, and there's been a whole drama with arguably their best uh, player uh, this entire offseason. And then you have the Houston Texans, who have a brand-new head coach, who are trying to play a rookie quarterback in – no matter what you think of D'Amico Ryans, I think it's safe to say they're a season away. Maybe there's a chance Houston could win the AFC South. Point being is the Titans could win this division as easily as anybody. And this is a guy that they absolutely have to have. Uh, that being said, when we were on the phone, you did identify one bright spot so far, their preseason. 
And we've got uh, some kind of winners and losers so far of the young preseason, the 2023 preseason. Uh, you see the teams there if you're watching along. But we are going to start with the Titans since we're talking about that team right now. Yeah, I thought Malik Willis looked really good. I thought he was significantly better than Will Levis, who I, I didn't think looked bad at all. Malik, Malik Willis just looked confident and poised, and he had one interception, but it wasn't his fault. The ball bounced off of tight end's hands. He just looks so much better than we saw him at any point last year. And I know it's the preseason, and I know they were going up against Chicago's backups, but I think if you're a Titans fan, you got to be really encouraged with the step that Malik Willis has made, at least so far. Well, I think the big difference here, too, between he and Levis is Levis is a higher pick. Uh, you know, uh, what Malik Willis went in the third round, third round. is that right, yep. of the 2022 draft? And even some people thought that was a reach, although there was all this speculation in the offseason. Could he go in the first round? Um, there's always a guy like that. He did not look impressive when he played last year. It was the primetime game they played against Kansas City, I think, where he played? Sunday night game. Yeah, yeah Sunday night game. You know, just as a sidelight to this, talk about the ball going off the tight end's hands. The last time Tennessee had a playmaker at tight end was Delaney Walker. And mm -hmm. that's been, what, a good six years now since he was really relevant. Yeah. Uh, that's a position I really like to see uh, get some production here, especially with Burks' injury. So um, just an interesting thing there. But Tennessee has got as much chance as anybody to make hay in their division uh, this year. I don't think there's going to be a wild card from this division. I think it's the division winner and that's it. But, but why not the Titans? Uh, that said, the Titans uh, are just one of the teams we're talking about today. Uh, you see on our rundown, we've got the Kansas city chiefs up here and this is not a good note. So what did you notice no. on the chiefs? Uh, their defense looked really, really bad in week one. And that's despite all of their starters playing outside of Chris Jones and I think that's the story here. Like this defense cannot survive without Chris Jones no. in the middle. They're they're really young at some spots. They're just not very talented at some others. <laughs> they're going to be in a lot of shootouts anyway, just with their style of play. But I, it feels like this defense might have taken a step back this offseason. Yeah, I, well, Chris Jones is not only the best player on that defense. He's the only, I would argue, impactful player on that yep. defense and at this point he's a leader in the locker room for that team he is a leader for this team he i think he's he's kind of the heart and soul outside of patrick mahomes you know and your quarterback can't always be that guy would you agree with that that you can't always be leaning on your quarterback to take charge and i think we saw that a little bit in the postseason last year didn't mm -hmm. we with chris jones kind of stepping up then making some plays uh if there's a problem with him i I would have a hard time seeing Kansas City re repeat. I really would. Yeah, and I think even with Chris Jones, they're going to have a hard time repeating just because that defense is just not going to be as talented as some of the other teams are going to be going up oh, against. Like, no way. There's no doubt Cincinnati has a better defense. Buffalo has a better defense. Uh, it, now the, the hope is that Kansas City's offense can be better than both those guys, and they probably will right. be with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, but... Man, at some point, you're going to need your defense to win some games for you. I would also mention, I think Buffalo and Cincinnati has more than one impactful player on defense. Yes. So if there's one guy that goes out, Buffalo lost a major defender last year, and they still did fine. Um, I don't think Kansas City can lose this defender and still be fine. But let's, let's spin it positive. One of the things that I love with having Marcus be such a draft nerd 
is there's always some dude that he wants to talk about that went to like Chattanooga State or something. And the guy that Marcus wanted to talk about way back in like March was this little receiver. I think he played for the Houston Cougars. He did. I remember us talking about Tank Dell. I hardly knew anything about the guy. And, and we did a whole little mini short on Tank Dell. And that's one of our notes here. And this is a good one. He was incredible in week one of the preseason. Absolutely incredible. I believe he finished. I, I went back and looked at the, the the stats. Five catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. And if you haven't get, got to see his touchdown grab, it was unbelievable uh, the concentration he had. He was open all game long. And if there was competent quarterback play throwing the ball to him, he easily could have had 200 yards in the first half. And I'm not exaggerating at all. Like He was open that much. It feels like Houston has found a really dynamic playmaker in the third round of the draft. I'm just waiting for the Tavon Austin comps to come from a broadcast this year. I know it's coming. It's um, not fair. I, He's a better pure receiver than Tavon is. So I was going to give you a different comp. I, I recognizing that this isn't perfect. Okay. But how about Randall Cobb in 2011 for the Packers? Sure. Uh, when he, he was a good returner and he was a, a better receiver than I think people thought he was going to be right out of the gate. And Green Bay had some really quality receivers back then in 2011. Jordy Nelson was, was in his prime. Greg Jennings. Um, it, can Tank Dell be that good a player, do you think? Because Randall think Cobb's he, had a really good career. I think he can be better. I just think he's way wow. better okay. after the catch. Uh, and you saw it in this game. Like one of the problems that people have with smaller receivers is, hey, are you going to be able to win in contested catch situations? And are defensive backs going to be able to bully you? Dell is so fast and so explosive mm-hmm. that he just creates so much separation, which is great for a young quarterback to just have a guy wide open and then be able to make plays after the catch. I, I think Dell has a chance to be the Texans' leading receiver as a rookie. What's interesting, especially if they're going to try to get the ball in his hands, so that you could see a lot of bubble screens and short stuff to that'll make that an easier bet, so to speak. One little difference here, you know, Randall Cobb was playing with not only elite quarterback, but with elite receivers, and he didn't have to be great on his own right away. Tank Dell will have to be good on his own right away, but that might work in his favor. That means a lot of opportunities. So he's going to get, he's going to sink or swim right away. It's not going to be right in the pine. That's for sure for better players. Uh, Okay. Number six is a really, maybe the most interesting one on our board here. We're going back to so far, another kind of preseason downer. Uh, This is coming out of the Washington commanders camp. Really? Yes, the Eric Bieniemy uh, stuff has gotten some mixed reviews from, well, just his head coach. Like Ron Rivera came out in a press conference a couple of days ago, and it wasn't overwhelmingly positive about his offensive coordinator, which is weird. But he criticized a little bit of the coaching style. Uh, I guess there were some veteran players in this team that don't like the way that Eric Bieniemy is coaching. Um, I saw some reports from today that the offense has been very up and down in camp. It just seems like the idea that you can insert Eric Bieniemy and all of a sudden get Kansas City Chiefs like results. Just, I mean, it's, it just wasn't realistic to begin with. But it seems like this transition is not going super smoothly. Right, and I think there's a difference between an offense being sluggish that's playing a second-year quarterback and Sam Howell that's had what one career start. Just the yep. game against Dallas was the only action he got. That was Week 18 last year, right? That was the very last, basically like a looksy. Right at home um, against the Cowboys C team, right? Yeah, exactly. It's so I call it a looksy game when you're just trying to see what you have for next year. Um, and I, but this is different. 
because it's not just about the offense sputtering. It's literally about coaching style. And it's very rare, I think, to hear a head coach comment on an assistant style in a way that's not positive, especially this early on. It's not like these guys have been working together for three years and journalists or websites or whatever are calling for an assistant's job and the head coach is going to have to you know, answer for their defensive yep. coordinator or answer for their offensive coordinator. This is a brand new marriage, right? And so that's what I found interesting. And also a point you made on the phone to me is that you've always kind of thought of Ron Rivera as an old school coach. This is an old school linebacker that played for the 80s Bears and He's, he's kind of taking a delicate approach, would you say? Yeah, and I think he's say he's trying to tell Eric Bieniemy to relax a little bit, which just shows you like how bad things must be in Washington right now. And then that that doesn't mean things can't work out. It doesn't mean that Washington is going to be horrible on offense. But again, I think the expectation that Eric Bieniemy was going to come in and solve everything right away, it just wasn't fair. You're just looking for a smoother start, you know, and I think that's exactly what our number five guy, this is a positive story. Ezekiel Elliott signing uh, in New England. I think that's a uh, good thing for him as a player, and it could be good for the Patriots, but you have notoriously been a little bit down on Ezekiel Elliott. I know you're not down on the Patriots, but they might be the fourth best team in their own division. How do you look at this as a marriage for the player? And then how do you look at this marriage for the team? Well, I want your thoughts on this one because this is your winner. This is the one that of all these that you were like the, the highest on. So you tell me why you think Zeke is a winner here. I would say the Niners, but we'll get there. Um, so let's calm down a little bit. All right. In my mind, if you're the, the, the book on Ezekiel Elliott is, has been that, you know, he partied a lot, maybe ruined his career a little bit with some off-field stuff. Maybe he wasn't always in the best shape. Am I saying anything out of hand here? Uh, and got tremendous workload. And I think by all accounts, even the haters like Marcus, everybody agrees this guy plays really hard. And that's hard on your body. And so people are wondering if he's washed, if he has something left in the tank. Well, let me tell you this. If you're just wanting to make a paycheck and you know you're kind of washed or you want to party, of all the teams that you sign with, this is not that one. In my mind, a player signs with a team like this because they still really want to play and contribute to a winner. Now, that doesn't mean it always works out. Sometimes a guy really is past his prime, and that's a different thing. But I think this is definitely indicative of want to here. But from uh, the Patriots' standpoint, Marcus, do you think this fills a need for them? And what do you think about Ramondi's Ramondre Stevenson. See if I can say that properly. I have mixed feelings, to be honest. So, number one, I think New England does have a tendency to sign some older veterans thinking they can get one last good year out of them before they're done. They've had some up and downs there, right? Remember when Reggie mm -hmm. Wayne signed with the Patriots or Chad Ochocinco? Like, you bet. Yeah. So, Steven Jackson. Steven J. Oh, Steven Jackson. Dude. Yeah. We can go um, on. <laughs> my thing with the fit with Ramondre Stevenson. I love Ramondre in the goal line. I think he's one of the best goal line runners that we have now. He's 240 pounds, mm -hmm. but he's also an awesome receiver. Like he caught a ton of passes for New England last year. So I was hoping that they were going to pair him with somebody who was a little bit smaller that maybe gave them some more quickness and some speed, really to be yeah. like to find the next James White for them. 
Yes. And that's just not Zeke at this stage of his career. Like he he's just not that type of player. Where I think Zeke could have value for them though is as a pseudo fullback who can do some blocking, who's basically your third down back at third nine when you need someone just to take on a linebacker. Um, but I think the days of him getting like 10 touches a game are kind of gone. But that might be part of the thinking here is that, hey, we like Stevenson in the passing game. We like what he does for us between the 20s. We want to protect him a little bit. And how do you protect a guy like that? By having somebody else be your thumper. Yeah. And Ezekiel Elliott is proven very effective in pass protection and being a thumper and being a short yardage guy when the Cowboys needed him. So it, from that standpoint, this may really work out. We'll we'll wait and see on that. One th- signing, or excuse me, not signing, trade, that up to this point has definitely not worked out and according to Marcus is not looking any better as <laughs> Russell Wilson with the Broncos. Yeah. Where are you today on this? I, I was hoping that Sean Payton would have the golden touch a little bit, right? He just kind of his magic quarterback whispering thing to Russell Wilson yeah. and all of a sudden turn back the clock. He looked dreadful in the first preseason game. And I don't want to overreact to what I saw in the preseason game, but at the same time, this just looks like what Russell Wilson has been like for the last year and a half, where he just he's holding on to the ball. He looks skittish yep. in the pocket. He's not getting outside of the pocket and extending plays. The pocket presence just isn't there. And then on top of everything, the accuracy is just way off. So it's still really early. I don't want to push the panic button, but I, I, I did not like what I saw in that first preseason game. Well, I think one of the things about Russell Wilson that used to be so competitively great was his agility to get outside of the pocket. He would backpedal, then step up, then move out, move the launch point, and sometimes be able to throw, or I would say, you don't hear this term that much, but move his receivers open. Mm-hmm. Because once your quarterback starts moving, you as a receiver know to run back towards the quarterback. Well, a lot of times that that shakes you free, that gets you open, and Russell Wilson, I always thought, saw the f- field pretty well. When you take that away or when he's not doing that as well anymore, he's a lot less effective. I guess my question for you here is real quick, when do you call it? You know, we're, we're a regular season, a training camp, and a preseason game in. When when do you call it? I think you get this year. Like, this is the last year. And if the whole it doesn't year. work, I get, I get, you give them the whole year. Because what's the other option? You go to Jared Stidham, who... It's clearly not going to be your franchise quarterback. I think you give him the whole year. You let him try to work through some stuff. Hopefully you see some growth as the season goes on. But if it doesn't work by the end of the year, you move on and Sean Payton looks for his new quarterback. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's going to be hard for Sean Payton to go the whole year if it goes the way it did last year. We'll see. I mean, I I hope Russell Wilson turns it around. Let's say he's awful in week eight. Mm -hmm. You you know that Jared Stidham is not going to help you. Doesn't matter. This, see, this is where you and I disagree. You believe in, and I understand what you're thinking is, but I always tell you, you know, that in my mind, it, you know, these guys are not just numbers on a page. They're human beings. And if you're out there busting your butt, doing your job every week, and the quarterback's not, or the quarterback's not playing well, you're like, wait a minute. I'd be held accountable if it was week eight and I played lousy for seven weeks. It's fair. It, it, putting Stidham in there, I get your point. I'm not coming down on you. I, I get what you're saying. But at some point, you play the other guy for the other guys in the locker room to say, hey, we do have accountability. And maybe Stidham really works hard. And I'm not insinuating that Wilson doesn't. But at some point, if you're that ineffective, 
Yeah, you go to the guy that maybe doesn't have the great upside, but it's just going to uh, play hard for you. Uh, at least that's my thought on it. Now, the Jets have, are kind of in the same spot the Broncos were in last year, right? Getting a veteran quarterback, different age, um, banking a lot of hopes on this quarterback. But I think so far, everything looks pretty good. From Aaron Rodgers uh, freeing up, what was it, $17.5 million per year yeah. over this year yep. and next. And now they go out and they get the best running back on the street, Dalvin Cook. I know you have mixed feelings about Dalvin Cook, but overall, hasn't yeah. this been a pretty positive situation? Yeah, I mean, all things considered, you you basically got a starting running back for free because your quarterback wanted him, right? Your quarterback took a big pay cut yeah. to grab somebody like Dalvin Cook. And what I think is also great for the Jets is that Aaron Rodgers has now committed himself to you for at least the next two uh, for the next two seasons, and that's that's right. big. Right now, you can. You know, everything doesn't have to be about this year alone. You can start to build towards the future. I think the Jets just have to be very excited about the direction they're heading. Let's not forget, Aaron Rodgers has seen a lot of Dalvin Cook. He's seen him twice a year, every year for Cook's entire career. So I think he has a pretty good front row seat uh, for what Cook can do or has had a good front row seat for that. Real quick, give me the positive and the negative of Dalvin Cook, because I know you've been very middle of the road on this one. He gives you a another starting caliber running back that's got a bunch of big game experience who can play on all three downs. I think the problem is I just like Brees Hall better, and I'd like to see Brees yeah. Hall on the field a lot more than Dalvin Cook. And I think one of the reasons why Minnesota moved on from Dalvin Cook is they saw some signs of him starting to wear down a little bit. So if you're giving that much money to a declining player, it's a little bit scary, but at the same time, I, I think it's – it's still a net positive for you because sure. Rodgers took the big cut. It's also Brees Hall insurance. Brees Hall yeah. coming off a major injury in his rookie year. Granted, super young player, but uh, you now you've got uh, multiple backs that you can lean on. Okay, we kind of have a two-for-one special here. Our, our two is a loser and our one is a winner so far of the preseason. They're both the 49ers, but let's start with kind of the the negative Nancy side of this. Um, the Trey Lance experiment seems to be over. The 49ers gave up an unbelievable amount of draft capital, Marcus, two years ago to get this guy. Um, he got to play finally last year. I believe he got hurt in the Bears game on the road. He was gone for the year. And the reports from training camp and uh, what you've seen in the preseason, it just seems like none of it has been good so far. I almost feel bad for Trey Lance, yeah. even though he hasn't played well. He was awful in the Raiders preseason game. So the Raiders didn't play a single starter on defense. And in fact, the top, I'd say like 20 players on the Raiders defense didn't play in this game. And they sacked him three times in the first two drives. He held the ball too long. He missed his tight end wildly high uh, twice on his first three throws. His only positive play in the, the game was a touchdown that he threw directly into the chest of a Raiders defender. And it bounced off the Raiders chest and into the hands of one of his tight ends in the end zone. That was it. It was. It, it looked like to me, if I didn't know the draft capital, I thought it was it would have been like the old school fourth preseason game with an undrafted free agent quarterback who just had no shot of ever making a fifty three man roster. That's how bad it was. Yeah, that is uh, that is tough. And that you know, people were so excited. Remember the his first game ever they played at Detroit, and he came in and had a touchdown. I think right before half. Believe that. That was a season opener in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, he was used sparingly, but 
Look, the Raiders' defensive personnel is not exactly at the top of the pile in the league. And when you're playing their BC team, I guess you say half Bs, half Cs, and that's the performance you're getting, it's not good. But it is really good, uh, and this is the one that I'm really big on. I think both Brock Purdy, obviously, and Sam Darnold came out huge winners this preseason for different reasons. Brock Purdy's been named the starter. Let's start with him. Marcus, you know, in late January after the NFC Championship game, the reports were he was going to be out till December after. I think yep. it was Hassan Reddick was the one that hit him, mm-hmm. hurt his elbow. And you know, there were reports early on in camp that he didn't look very good. But, I mean, this is his job to lose. Yeah, uh, we had Kyle Shanahan just the other day. They asked about his starting job, and he said that Brock Purdy would have to melt in practice to not be our week one <laughs> starter, which yeah. means he's going to start one. Yeah. Um, he's been up and down in practice, but that's okay. He's coming back from the injury. I think what's more interesting to me is that the restrictions have been taken completely off of Brock Purdy. He can now practice three days in a row. There's no limit on how much he can throw in practice or how far. So it seems like we're trending in a right the right direction here. Right. I mean, really, the only argument against Brock Purdy so far is we just don't have a big catalog. You know, he he played very well when he played last year, but he only played part of the season. And he ended the season with an injury. And and honestly, in the divisional round game before that, Dallas's defense did a number on the 49ers offense. It was really the 49ers run game that got going late in that game. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, but I have Sam Darnold as a big winner here also. And here's why. The guy gets drafted by the Jets when he's like, what, 21 years old? 20. He's uh, 20. 20. Yeah, he's a great arm talent. He has a tough time. They, they, you know, they had that Le'Veon Bell signing and they were trying to make that work. And the, the Jets offense just didn't go anywhere. Sam Darnold was with Carolina. That wasn't really going to go anywhere. And people were kind of looking at Sam Darnold as, yeah, you know, he was a nice footnote from five years ago, but moving along. Well, he ends up with the 49ers. This is still a really young guy. You know, you're talking about a quarterback basically in his mid-20s here. Most quarterbacks are great in their late 20s, early 30s. And I think Sam Darnold has plenty of time to not only turn his career around with good coaching staff and good guidance, but as we just said with Brock Purdy, hey, there's no guarantees with Brock Purdy, Marcus. He's only played a little bit. This is a contender. They can't say, we're going to play Brock Purdy the whole year and just see what we have. They're thinking we want to win a Super Bowl. So if Brock Purdy falters, I think Sam Darnold could get in there early. I think I'm not uh, putting down Purdy's play. I'm just saying I think he's going to be on a relatively short leash, which would give Sam Darnold an excellent chance to showcase what he could do. So Trey Lance played the whole first half. Sam Darnold played the second half. And I know you're saying, hey, it's Sam Darnold who's a starting NFL quarterback playing against third teamers. Remember, he's also playing with a third string offensive line, yeah. third string receivers through eight passes. I believe he completed them all. His first pass of the game was a 50 yard dime just down the sideline to his receiver. It's just a perfect fit for him in his skill set. He's clearly the number two quarterback there. And part of me wonders, like, how how quickly will Kyle Shanahan turn to Sam Darnold if things are just going only so-so for Brock Purdy? You know, in my mind, too, how many times have we seen a backup quarterback that was talented with a contending team come in and have an amazing year? I mean, Earl Morrill won the MVP as a backup in 1968. Kurt Warner won the MVP as a backup in 1999. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Uh, Jim Plunkett was a backup that came in with a talented team and won the Super Bowl. I'm sure there are others that Rich I'm Gannon. not just... 
Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon, man, look, people thought his career was kind of nowheresville. He goes to Kansas City on a contending Chiefs team, and he leads them to like six straight wins. And that, he parlayed that. He's a great example because he parlayed uh, playing with a good coaching staff, with a good team in 97, to getting on the Raiders in 98. And by 2000, they were in the AFC Championship game. And didn't he win the MVP of the league in 02? Yeah. Uh, so I think I don't know that Sam Darnold's going to end up being a star for the 49ers, but he could use this as a jumping off point for the rest of his career, perhaps with a different team. Ryan Leaf with the Cowboys. Oh, wait, that's a bad example. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, my final thought on uh, this list, because I, I think it's a really interesting uh, group, but I have to admit, I'm kind of I'm not kind of I am. I'm rooting for Tank Dell big time. Thank you. I, he seems like a really fun player. Uh, I'd love to see him have a big year. And I'm, dude, are you tired of the Texans just yes. never doing anything? I, I, I want them to be like seven and 10 and just show some signs of life this year. Yeah, for sure. And I, I would say, you know, the one that's a little bit concerning, at least to me, Chris Jones is concerning because I think the Chiefs have a chance, obviously, in Patrick Mahomes' prime to be really special. But that's one guy. This isn't Juju Smith Schuster, okay? No offense there, but this guy is a hugely important player for them. But your final thoughts, sir? Again, just I know we we just did winners and losers from the preseason, but again, don't overreact to all this stuff. It's more about uh, how this news comes over the next month and a half. Um, but again, just some warning signs, like with Russell Wilson, with some Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy. So just, just store it away until we get to the regular season. Yeah, other warning signs, too, from this preseason. If your husband is spending a lot of time in his office with his football cards, uh, be really, really... You might have a problem. <laughs> you might have a problem. Uh, if you'd like to hear about the Cowboys winners and losers so far in the preseason, make sure you listen to Locked on Cowboys. Marcus Hosat with Landon McCool. A lot of good backup guard talk on oh, that yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. Awesome Richard versus Josh Ball right now. Get in on it. Jeez. Ah, jeez. He also uh, does Locked On Dynasty twice a week over on, of course, the Locked On Network and covers the Raiders for the Raiders Wire on USA Today. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher. Also got an article on the 33rd team uh, coming out at the end of the week. Oh, tomorrow. Excuse me. My bad. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. He's always correct to uh, correct me plugging him ineffectively. I'm Matt Harrison, NFL on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys. We appreciate Believe and Brinks, and we thank the good folks over on Bet Online. And we will talk to you guys later. Take care, everybody.